You know, we're in this series, we're starting uh, this series today called The Restored Life, but we've been looking at the biblical roots of the 12 steps all along. You know, that really these are our steps, our spiritual disciplines for how to live out what the Bible teaches. They come straight out of, of the teachings of Jesus. And you know, if you're just joining us, um, it's not too late. You may say, oh, they're already halfway through. No, not at all. Nobody is on step six. Because as we've been saying, really, this, these steps are disciplines to work into your life, and you continue to work them to usher you into a new way of living. Not just to overcome some addiction or control or worry or anxiety or whatever issue might first present itself, but actually to experience more life and more freedom, a restored kind of life. And that's what we're starting to talk about this week. See, that's a, that's a great spiritual indicator, actually. You know, two things. One, where Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Are you experiencing a fuller life? And then it says in 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Are you more alive and more free this year than last? That's a, it's a great way to think about this. And that's what these steps, practicing these steps, usher us into. All right, so let's do a quick review. Uh, I'm going to be quoting from the 12 steps, the reviled substandard version. Step one, I declared I was in complete control of my problems and compulsions and that my life was fine and dandy. Thank you very much. Step two, I always knew that there was no power greater than myself, but all of you needed to be restored to sanity. Step three, I made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of my problems, compulsions, and addictive behavior because it was the only thing that understood me. Step four, I made a superficial and paranoid immoral inventory of anybody but myself. Step five, admitted nothing to nobody ever. Step six, I was entirely ready to have God punish you for all your defects of character. And step seven, humbly told him who he needed to change. Now, if you're hearing that, you're thinking, I might be able to work these steps. Keep listening. Because obviously, that's the opposite of what we're talking about. But unfortunately, it is where many people get stuck and where they live. Uh, so let me, let me quickly review the, where we've been. And I'm going to go back to week three, uh, where we use the, the metaphor of the Titanic. Okay, so... It's a story, of course, of this prideful captain who thinks he's indestructible, a ship indestructible, listens to no warnings, hits an iceberg in the, in the North Atlantic, sinks a ship. So steps one and through three are kind of like our own personal Titanic. You know, we, we thought somehow growing up that we're supposed to be captain of our lives, right? That we know what's best for us and we're supposed to make things happen and prove to the world how great we are and that we are indestructible. We are lovable, prove our worth. But then we started to feel warning signs. Things got painful, more unmanageable or out of control. We started to realize something's wrong. You know, our, our ship's taking on water. And maybe it was as we started to see habits or, or addictions that enslaved us. Maybe it was just starting to see the little stress cracks of relationships falling apart or you know, people talking to us about our control issues or feeling anxiety or worry all the time. Or maybe you had to hit rock bottom. Drinking, drugging, sex addictions, anxiety attacks, several divorces. 
Whatever it was, step one says this. We admitted we were powerless over whatever that presenting issue is, that our lives had become unmanageable. We said admitting is the, is the first step into freedom and life. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We started to realize maybe there's hope that there is a captain of this universe and it doesn't have to be me. And we start to realize that God actually is available and willing and, and lowers a rescue basket down onto our listing deck as we're taking on water and is willing to rescue us. But that's where step three comes in. We have to get in the basket to take the rescue. Step three, we made a decision to turn our lives and wills over to the care of God. And we talked about how you have to abandon your ship where you are captain, where you play God, and decide to let God take you off that ship onto his ship where he, God is the captain. God calls the shots. And so we get in, step three, we get in that basket. On the outside, it says trust. As we get to this new ship, on the inside, it says in Christ. And you know, many people who go through recovery realize this later. Maybe God in his mercy uh, and, and, and his grace you know, as, as you reach out to him, not even knowing what he's done for you in Christ, you see his power to overcome. He heals you. And then later you, you realize, hopefully, the only reason God is willing to forgive us, no matter what we've done, and to enter in and help us is because in Christ he paid for it all. He paid for all our wrongs, all our debts, all of it. Not only to rescue us from our own sinking ship without him, but because he wants us to be his children. He adopts us as his very own. So step three, he, he adopts us and transfers us to this new ship in relationship with God. We're headed to warmer waters, to paradise. But along the way, getting to paradise, there's lots to enjoy and lots of experiences to have, and we have a job to do. And as we daily work step three, seeking his will, we're able to do that. But, in order to live this way, the captain has to heal and clean out some old baggage. And that's step four. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Because it's, it's a lot like a wound that gets infected. Until you clean out that infection, it's going to just keep getting worse and worse and spread and cause more problems. And so we talked about this honest moral inventory is something you do once where you write it all down. And you go back over your whole history and you write down every wrong you've ever done, everything that God brings to mind. And you're not doing this so that you can feel shamed or condemned. God is removing all that. That's what he did in Christ. You're not condemned. We are cleaning it out so we don't have to live in the past, so we can be free from the past. And that takes step five. Step five is the step of healing. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. This is the healing step. God says that, that when we confess to him, he forgives and cleanses us. But when we confess to one other person, he heals us. There's something, there's something mysterious about how God uses us together to heal one another. Because we wounded one another, right? Right? And so we take this step. We read our list to one other person. We confess it to God and, he, he, and, and we, we experience a whole new level of freedom. If you've ever done this, you're gonna be amazed. Now, 
At that point, here's what often happens though. We start to feel better, but we still have some old habits and, and character issues that have worked in o- over, over time. And, and now we're on this new ship. We're saved. We're rescued. We're not going to sink for eternity, right? We're headed to a wonderful eternity. But what we keep doing is we keep sneaking into the navigation room and trying to replot the course of the ship. And then God doesn't tend to go our way and we get angry and frustrated and anxious and we run around trying to direct all the people on the ship to do what we think needs to be done and we try to manipulate and control and we're right back to playing God again. Now, the thing is the captain who is ridiculously patient and kind and loving is saying to us, look, let me teach you a new way of living. Let me remove all these defects of character that sunk your old ship. Those are all, they're all just tips of the iceberg, but playing God is the real issue. I want you to relax, to actually enjoy relationship with me and with each other. I have a role for you to do. You can do it. You'll accomplish more. You'll feel more fulfilled. But that requires taking step six. That's where we are today. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Now, before we talk about this, you need to understand something about God. God doesn't work the way the world works, okay? See, because the way the system of the world works is that you get promised one thing, but you end up with another, right? So, you know, for instance, you get promised with pornography, you know, some excitement and, you know, fulfillment, but, but you end up getting robbed if you keep at it of, of lasting sexual relationship and marriage that's satisfying. Or, or let's say drinking or drugging, it promises fun and friends and uninhibited freedom, but you keep going down that road and it's a crutch and not only that, you might get enslaved, right? And all these things, you know, controlling others or people pleasing, it promises that you'll be liked. You know, you'll be, you'll be loved, but it ends up locking you in a very lonely prison. Promises one thing, delivers another. God's not like that. See, God doesn't try to control or force or overpower your will. And the truth is, he doesn't even need you to behave for things to go his way. He's captain of the universe. It will go his way. But he wants you to be a son or a daughter that he can lead into the fulfillment of life that he designed you to have with him. That's why God works with your will, not against it. And that's the key to freedom, willingness, willingness. God waits for your willingness. That's why step six starts. We were entirely ready, entirely ready and willing. Are you? Where are you at? Are you entirely willing and ready for God to remove all the things that get in the way of the life he has for you? Romans 12 Uh, One through six is actually where we're going to camp today. It's where these steps come out of in the Bible. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies, your whole self to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. That word copy literally means to be stamped into, to be molded into. Don't Don't be forced into or stamped into just the way the world goes. Let God transform you into a new person. How? 
by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You're going to find out God's will is actually what you wanted all along. And Paul says, in light of all that God's done for you, he demonstrated his love for you in Christ. In light of that and how much he's for you, not against you, Paul says, don't hold anything back. Why hold anything back? Offer your whole self. That's how we love God. That's how we worship God. It's really all he wants. And that's what step six is all about. Letting God transform us to experience more life, more freedom. But we have to be entirely ready to have, let him have his will and ways with all of us, every part, every character defect, every habit, every helpful way, every fun little thing that gets in the way of our relationship with God and the life he wants to lead us into. Well, where do these character defects come from and what are some of them? Well, John Baker in his book, Life's Healing Choices, uh, talks about how they come from chromosomes, they come from circumstances, and they come from choices. Well, let's quickly talk about each chromosomes. You know, it's interesting in, in nature, nature neuroscience reported a study uh, done on mice where they, they trained mice to avoid uh, this really strong smell. And then what they discovered is through the DNA, that same aversion to that smell not only passed to the children, but to the grandchildren. And so the, the researchers concluded this, the experiences of a parent, even before conceiving, markedly influence both the structure and function of the nervous system of subsequent generations. In other words, the good habits and the bad habits, much of it passes on. Now, God warns us about this in Exodus chapter 34. You know, he, he said this. He said the sins of the parents pass on to the third and fourth generation. But he also said this. He said, but to those who love me and follow me, it passes on to a thousand generations, his, his loving kindness. And so the reality is we all inherited certain traits. Some of them were good, some of them bad, some strengths, some weaknesses. Nobody knows how much. We all have our own set of stuff, right? We can't compare to each other, but we can be faithful with the, with the hand that we've been dealt. And that's part of, of step six. See, here's the thing you got to realize. Some of you, you know, you may have found it easy in school. Some of you may have found it really difficult. Some of you may have found everything you touch turns to gold. Some of you, everything you touch feels like it turns to rust, right? Some of you may feel like, I've just, I have an addictive personality. I don't know where that comes from. You know, or maybe you have a tendency toward anger or toward control, just like mom or dad had. Okay, you may have some of these inherited tendencies, but here's the great news. God made you. He knows you. He knows how the brokenness of life affects you, but he'll help you in it. He helps us in our weaknesses. That's what the Bible tells us. In fact, he'll even turn that weakness into a strength that you can use to help others as well. So in God's economy, it's not how much or how little compared to others. It's what are you gonna do with what you've been given? You can be faithful to that. That's part of step six. Circumstances are, are another thing that's had a big role in shaping character. You know, we, we saw our, our character shaped through parents, through peers, through teachers, 
we got stamped or molded into certain ways. Some of them were the ways of the world. They, you know, our parents, our teachers, they're, they're sinful just like we're sinful. So that means they stamped into us some things that weren't God's will or ways. Now, the problem is sometimes we think they're good and right, and that's how they become character defects. You know, we think we have to, we have to get people to love us by getting them to approve of us, so we do whatever they want, but we end up making them an idol, right? And then they control us. Or, you know, maybe what's happened to us is the sin of other people playing God, then they end up using us or, or abusing us, right? We, we get manipulated by them. And then we end up with certain patterns of thinking that become character traits. We gotta let God change that. You know, maybe you were bullied through life or life's just been really tough for you and now you have this, this pattern or this thought, see, nothing ever goes my way, no matter what I do. I can't trust anybody. And see, those are lies that keep you imprisoned, enslaved. The truth is, no matter what the inherited trait or the circumstance, God can and will remove all those defects of character if we're entirely ready and willing. See, no one's a victim anymore in Christ. In Christ, we, if we're willing and ready, can be victors. All right, John chapter five. There's an interesting thing about this though. In John chapter five, Jesus comes to this pool in the town of Bethesda. And at this pool were, were all these disabled people who, because of this, this myth that when an angel came down and stirred the water, the first one in the pool would be healed, they all laid around waiting for this to happen. And Jesus comes up and he notices this, this one guy, a paralytic, who had been in that condition, it says, for 38 years. Jesus learns about this and he has compassion. He wants to heal the guy. And look at what Jesus says, John 5, 6. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, so he knows he's been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? He, he, he's been at the pool to get well for 38 years. Jesus knows this. Why in the world would he say, would you like to get well? Well, because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have been victimized. Sometimes circumstances or things have, have been bad in our lives. And, and we hate it, but at the same time, we've gotten used to it. It's become kind of a part of our very identity. It's become a false identity, a defect of character. And we can't honestly imagine life without it. I mean, we would have to change. We, would, we would, wouldn't have our old reasons or old excuses or old patterns. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked. See, God waits for our willingness. We were entirely ready and willing to let him remove all these defects of character. Is that where you are? If not, why not? Well, the third thing that causes these defects of character are choices. Um, you know, you can't, you can't change who your parents were and what were, was passed down to you. You can't change the circumstances of, of your past, but you can control your choices going forward. You know, on, on God's new ship, our responsibility is, is to follow God's will and ways and let him change the way we think, transform our thinking transform our character more in line with his will and ways. Because here's the thing. If you keep choosing to repeat 
these negative choices and thinking patterns, soon they become a, a habit. And before you know it, you, you're out of control, right? That's how we got there. You feel like, I can't stop lusting. Well, it's because look after look after look, it, it became a habit sewn into your, your very being. But it can change. You know, I can't stop drinking. I can't stop controlling the people around me to make sure they do what I want. Yes, you can. But you've sown a pattern, a habit by your choices that now it feels automatic, okay? But that's where step six and seven comes in. It's exactly what Romans chapter 12 talks about. Each time that old negative pattern, that old pattern of thinking comes up, that controlling character defect, every time it raises its ugly head, I choose. And again, we work these steps once and then again and again and again. Like we've been saying, it's a dance. You keep doing all these steps every day. I choose. Lord, I'm entirely willing to let you change my mind on this. Transform my character. Remove these defects of character. Now the problem is many of us don't. Why? Well, because truthfully, we don't want to. See, here's what happens about this time if you've really worked all these steps, which, which by the way, most of us haven't because it takes time to work these steps, all right? That's why we're trying to get people connected in groups to do it together over time. But you do, and as you work these steps, about now you're gonna feel some real freedom. You really will. You'll, you'll feel freedom. So maybe you, you started working the steps to st stop smoking pot or stop drinking every night. Or, or whatever that presenting tip of the iceberg issue was. And now it's gone. And you feel better. You feel great, right? But the problem is, many times there are these other character defects, these other sin habits. They're still lurking under there and, and, and we enjoy them. You know, you like that back porch smoke every night. Uh, you, you like to look at porn for that little endorphin rush. You know, you like the economic hoarding. It's giving you this false, but sense of security. And so we like this. Now, the problem is we miss the depths of life and freedom God wants to lead us into when what we really want is just enough of God to keep the pain away, but not so much that it actually changes our lives. You know, there's a, a poem that illustrates this well says, I'd like $3 of God, please. Not enough to change my prejudice or, or racism or enough to love my enemies, just enough to have some peace. I'd like $3 of God, please. Not enough to alter my thoughts and habits, just enough to keep them from ruining my life. I'd like $3 of God, please. I mean, not so much of him that he actually changes my path, just enough to get me into heaven. I'd like $3 of God, please. See, too many times that is true, isn't it? We want enough of God to stop the painful consequences of, of playing God, but, but not so much that it, it, it removes all these things that he says actually got us there. And that's part of what we have to realize is even though he, he makes us right with himself through Christ and, and we are forgiven, we are eternally right with him. This playing God sin disease is a sneaky thing. It keeps creeping back in, making us think we really do know what's best. In fact, better than God, <laughs> better than the one that created us. And as a result, 
you know, we, we might overcome some of the presenting issues, but all that does is it makes us proud and, and think that we're actually better than. Now, in recovery circles, this is called a dry drunk, if you're familiar with that. In religious circles, it's called a religious hypocrite. So the, the way it works is, you know, a dry drunk or, or a judgmental hypocrite have overcome in some external areas, but the truth is they're sneaking back into playing God, but now from a, a, a position of superiority. Well, if you were only like me, I mean, I've overcome. Now you guys, on the other hand, you need some work. And it's the same issue. We're going back to the same original problem of, of playing God, which is why step seven starts with humility. Step seven, humbly ask him. Humbly ask him to remove all our shortcomings. See, here's the thing. God's not satisfied with just having you not drinking too much or not raging or not doing whatever that thing was. God wants to lead you into fullness of life and a freedom more than you've ever experienced or thought you could have, a joy that you've never experienced. But he wants complete willingness so he can lead us into that. He waits until we're entirely ready and humbly willing. Now, I think about my own spiritual journey um, and how you know, it, it goes in, in, in steps, right? And then you have to work those steps back over again. So, you know, I started off enslaved and addicted. And then I learned about Jesus and about how God would forgive me. And I, I put my trust in Christ and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I felt so much relief from all the condemnation and, and shame. And, and over the course of the next year, I actually found freedom from that, that presenting problem. But the reality was there were other character defects and things uh, that I wasn't actually willing to let him remove at that point. I wasn't entirely willing to let him remove all of them because some of them I really enjoyed. Like, for instance, I drank too much. It, it, it made me feel like one of the guys. That's what we did as friends. And, you know, I mean, if I didn't, I wouldn't have any friends. Lie. <laughs> But that's the stinking thinking that God wants to transform our minds. He wants to change our thinking. But I didn't realize that, that at, at that point. And I've, I've told you the, the story about um, kind of coming to the realization of that. So I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus now. I'm praying every night. And one night after a party, I come home and I lay down in bed and I start praying. And I'm praying, praying, praying. Room spinning, spinning, spinning. And I'm just hiding from God. I'm saying prayerful words, but I'm hiding. I don't want him to see what's really going on. And all of a sudden, I, you know, it's like I got honest. I was like, I'm not fooling you, am I? I drank too much. And, and I know this isn't your will. Now, I, I wouldn't have said uh, that, that I was doing step four, five, six, and seven at that point, but that is what I was doing. Uh, in other words, you work these steps once, but then... As it comes up, you keep working them. So that night, you know, I realized this is not what you want from me, is it? You, you, you tell me not to get drunk. And I did. And I, and I got brutally honest. I said, I'm sorry I did, but I'm hiding from you because I already know I want to do it again next weekend. That's brutal honesty. And as I, as I said that, I said, 
if, if your will is to lead me a different way and my life will really be better, I'm willing, but I need your help because I don't get it. Okay, that's, that's working, four, five, six, and seven together, even though I wouldn't have called it that. And I did see God lead me. It was, it's amazing how he really does meet you as you work these, but you gotta start, step seven, humbly asking him and willing to let him remove all of them, saying, okay, remove them. Now, you don't have to figure out how he's going to. That's, that's the great thing. See, see, humble means a right appraisal of ourselves. In fact, Romans 12 goes on and talks about this. After it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Good, pleasing, perfect will. You're gonna like it. And then it goes on and says, then do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment, with accurate assessment. We've been given different gifts by God according to the grace given to each of us. See, this key to step seven is humility. It's seeing ourselves as God does. It's not hiding from God. It's not pretending he doesn't know. It's an accurate assessment. Now that means humility. Real humility is not like, oh, I just suck. I'm just so horrible. That's not real humility. This says God has given you gifts. You're his child. He's adopted you. He's given you roles and responsibilities, good things to do. No, you're not just scum of the earth. But the other side is don't think too highly of yourself. Like if you don't think you still have character defects and issues that God wants you to work on, that's too highly of yourself. So it's an accurate, it's an accurate assessment. And, and the thing is, you know, God, God is so, so patient with us. He, he's so good about this. You know, he, he doesn't just, he doesn't just roll it all out all at once. You know, that's part of step six and seven. It says completely willing in all areas that we are aware of, but we're not aware of everything. And, and thank God for that, right? You know, I'm still finding character defects 30 years into this spiritual journey and I'll find more along the way. And you know, God is so gracious in that he doesn't, he doesn't show us all that he wants to change all at once. I mean, I think about all the things over the last 30 years that God's done in my life to, to change me and grow me. And if he had just rolled out that long list back 30 years ago, I would have been crushed. I would have been like, that's impossible. I'm not even gonna try. But the, 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 the secret is I didn't have to try. I had to follow. And he, and he makes us aware of some. And, and that's the key. You know, as he makes us aware, then are we each time, and this is the real question, are we, are we willing to let him remove all that we're aware of? You know, am I willing and ready to let him remove all those things he shows me that are holding me back from, from the life that he wants to, to lead me into? Or am I hiding? Am I hiding and holding back? You know, we're just not talking about greed. We're just not talking about that. We're just not talking about my sex life right now. Well, well maybe later, but I'm not talking to you about that, Lord. We're not talking about relational security and what I, what I do to feel secure. See, this is the key to true freedom. You just talk to him honestly about it. You don't have to figure out the path forward. You just have to become willing. Honestly, even willing to be willing, and he'll meet you there. And he is so kind and so patient and really does lead us 
and grow us. You know, I mean, he showed me a better way. You know, back when, when I stopped overindulging and I thought, I'm going to lose all my friends. Well, the truth is, about a year or two into it, all my friends saw new freedom in me, saw new security in me, and they started getting curious. And four out of five of them came to faith in Jesus as well and started their own journey toward life and freedom. The fifth kept going. And he ended up uh, an alcoholic, severe, uh, a cocaine addict, um, blowing apart a marriage, embezzling money from his company. And one night he calls me, he thinks he's going to jail. Finally hit rock bottom. But he too came to faith in Christ. He too has been working these steps, came to a, a life of more and more freedom. And you know what's crazy? 30 years later, all five of us are still best friends. We have a deeper friendship three decades later, you know, because we were growing together in God, in this spiritual journey. See, see friends that are based on the, the, the truth of growing with Christ are friends for life and for eternity. Drinking buddies don't last. And that's what we have to realize. God's ways, and that's what I've, I've realized again and again and again, God's ways are always better than my ways. I just might not see it yet. Are you willing and ready for God to remove all those defects of character? Will you humbly ask him to remove them all? He will. He will lead you in this. So here's what I want you to do is go out on our app, click on current series on the next steps. We've got some things that you can do, but don't do them alone. Don't do them alone. You know, we were meant to live in community. I really want to encourage you. It's not too late. Get connected into one of our community groups or one of our recovery groups. You know, just on the, on the screen, you can see their text, uh, that, that number, and we'll help you find groups that might work for you. Or you can go on our website uh, and, and, and look it up. And, and again, you can try one. If that one doesn't work, try, it, try a different one. But don't stay alone in this. We're meeting online. Some are starting to meet uh, in person at a distance. But let's come out of COVID-19 stronger than we went into it, all right?